want to tell you two stories and then give you a short sermon. I was 24 years of age in a little place called Te Aroha. Uh, I'd been there a few months and the church was starting to grow and, and people were getting saved. And this huge guy came to church, massive man, and he came to church because there was a young lady in our church that he liked. So after the second Sunday, I thought I'd better go and talk to him and share the gospel. And I went round to his house, his name was Ron. And I just began to share my testimony with Ron. I explained how we, the evidence for Jesus to Ron. I explained the love of God and the holiness of God. And not a single light came on in his head. In fact, at the end of me doing my best for a whole hour, he turned around and said to me, Russell, I don't think there's a God. And if there is a God, he's a mongrel. That's what he said. He said, why on earth would you say that? I mean, that's just horrible to hear. I fear God. People shouldn't ever speak like that about God, you know. And he said, I had a girlfriend, and she died of cancer at 21. And if God allows that kind of thing to happen, I don't believe in him, I don't trust him, or he's just really bad. So at the end of this hour of sharing and him using horrible language about my God, I just wanted to get out of there. I thought, flip, that failed. And I got to the steps of the house, and I'm about walking down these little concrete steps, and I felt the Holy Spirit whisper to me, ask him what his greatest need is. So I thought, well, Ron, what, what's your greatest need, mate? Now, he had thick, thick glasses on. And he said that he could see through like toilet rolls. His vision was limited. It was like looking through two toilet rolls. And he had been told that he'd lose his vision in the months ahead completely. And you'd go blind. This guy just said horrible things about God. My faith level was really, really low. You know, I'd done my best and nothing had happened. So this is what I did. I put my thumbs up on, on his eyes. And I said, because Jesus loves you, be healed, amen. And I shot off out the gate. Because <laughs> I knew he wasn't going to be healed. He had no faith. And by that point, I had no faith either. And I just wanted to move on and do something more productive. He came to church the following Sunday, no glasses. It's a totally and completely healed. About four years later, about four years later, I went back to Tierra and I saw him driving his van, still no glasses. And I've often thought about that. Why did God heal him? It, healing normally comes because of the prayer's faith. And I had none. And he certainly had none. And here's my answer. It's the grace of God. It's because God is so loving and so good. He does things far beyond what we'd ever ask or expect. He's a good, good God. Remember a situation about 12 years ago in West Auckland. There was a lovely business manager who was a friend of mine. And she came to see me. She said, um, Russell, my mum's got pancreatic cancer and it's horrible and she's dying. Would you pray for a healing? I said, absolutely. So we interceded for a mum and it appeared like nothing happened. Two months later, she came back and she said, let's change our prayer, Russell. Let's pray she gets healed or she gets taken to heaven. I don't mind which one. I just don't want my mum suffering. So we prayed like that and a few weeks passed and still nothing happened. Then she came and saw me really distraught and said, I can't understand what's going on. What's God up to? Mum was still suffering. Every time mum got really sick, this lady's mum got really sick, her sister would fly from Australia across the ditch and spend a few days with the mother in case that was the last chance she had. And finally, my friend came to church on a Sunday morning and her face was glowing. I said, what's happened? And she said, Every my sister and I haven't talked for 30 years. It's the only sibling she had. And I was totally unaware of what was going on. She said, my sister and I haven't talked for 30 years. And this very last time that mum got sick and it looked like she was dying, and she did, you know, she couldn't afford to stay at a hotel anymore. She had to stay at my place. 
And we stayed up all night talking and we forgave each other. And the next day her mother died. And there are situations in life that happen. I think, God, I don't know what you're doing. What is going on? Why is it so hard? Why is it taking so long? But I still believe in the goodness of God. God is doing something in every situation because his character is good and he's a God of grace. And we see lots of healings. Well, lots. A few healings happen instantly. That happens and we're expecting more and more. But God's at work even when we don't see it take place straight away. I want us as a church, friends, to remain free, to remain at liberty from law and regulation. There is always going to be people that knock on your door and say, why don't you go to church on Saturday? There's always going to be people that say, if you're a real Christian, you do these things and those things, and they add on to the gospel. The Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians said to the church there in modern-day Turkey, hey, I want you to stand in the freedom you've been given, church. You're free. It's so simple. God loves you. You're a sinner. You need to repent of your sin and trust him. He will forgive you and you walk in grace. One day at a time, just loving on the Lord and letting him bless you. He implored them to, to just to keep on trusting God and walk in their freedom. And they were picking up add-ons, extra things. Friends, this year has been a, a really hard year in terms of war and hearing terrible stories. I don't know about you, but the Ukraine situation absolutely breaks my heart. It's horrible. Uh, the Israel situation right now absolutely breaks my heart. And when they show the pictures of the Israeli people and, and they're just pleading for their kids to come back and they're praying and they're marching that their, their hostage children might be released and we had stories of hostages being brutally killed. It just breaks my heart. It's horrible. It's hard. And there are times that we as Christians look at these situations in the world and we go, man, if I just prayed more, if I fasted more, if I sacrificed more, maybe it would have changed. Maybe I haven't done enough. Maybe, maybe I'm partly responsible for the mess that's out there in the world. And I want to say to you this morning, if you think like that, you've got to remember God is in control. God is God and grace is a big part of the picture. Sure, our prayers and our sacrifice and our fasting, it makes a difference. Absolutely true. But there's a part of the equation that's even bigger than my best efforts, than my best intentions, and that's the love and the grace of God that he has toward people. God will do miracles even when we're struggling with faith. God will show his goodness because that's his very character to do so. I believe, friends, when we get a revelation of just how loving God is and how good God is, our perspective on life changes. Christianity is not about oughts and do's and don'ts and following rules and trying hard to be good enough. It's a love relationship with God. And we do what we do spontaneously before him. I want you to imagine that you're a wise person, and you probably are, and there, you notice two 25-year-old couples. So these two couples get together. The first couple, they've just met each other. They kind of like each other, and they come to you for wise advice because you're a wise person, and they say, look, what should we do? We're thinking about dating. What should we do? And you say to this couple, listen, don't meet behind a closed door till you're married, you know, and um, make sure you ring each other up every day and have at least a 10-minute conversation and make sure you try your best at listening and send a couple of nice, polite texts a day. Minimum 10-minute conversation, nice, polite texts, you know. 
And then another couple comes along, and they're 25. And they've just met, but they're in love. And you say to this couple, what I want you to do is spend at least 10 minutes a day talking and listening to each other, and make sure you send a couple of nice texts a day. Now, the first couple are probably going to do their best to talk and to text. And if they're not really clicking, if they're not really in love, it's going to be hard work, but they'll, they'll try their best out of respect for you. The second couple, you won't, they won't be able to stop them sticking to 10 minutes a day. They won't put their phones down. They won't stop visiting each other. And here's the thing. Sometimes people think the Christian faith, being a Christian, is about obeying rules and doing things and trying harder. No, it's not. When there's a love relationship with the Lord, when you're enjoying his company, when you're acknowledging his goodness, when there's mercies in you every morning, it's not about how much you have to do. It's about just how much you get to do because your heart's overflowing with thankfulness and with goodness toward him. The Apostle Paul is right in this church in Turkey. And this church of new Christians have taken on all sorts of rules and regulations and Old Testament um, requirements like circumcision. And Paul says to this church, listen, I can't believe it. You were once free, you were once full of joy, now you're taking on the law. Now when people take on laws and regulation, the movement of the Holy Spirit just dies right down. Prophecy stops, healing stops, words of knowledge stop. It just dies right down. And he's really upset that they're taking on ritual again. He said to the Galatians, stand firm in your freedom. Because if you do, you'll end, if you do, you'll end up talking to the Lord more, uh, staying in the word more, enjoying the Lord more, serving the Lord more, uh, giving more back to God just by being in love with the Lord and working on that relationship and just letting your heart lead you as you love the Lord. The law is given to, so that to show you that you're not God, that you're not holy, that you're not perfect, and that you need a saviour. And the Ten Commandments in particular are given to cause you to look at them and say, heavens, I need help. I need serious help. I don't meet the standard. I need a saviour. We return this morning to Galatians chapter 4 and verse 1. Paul writes this. Think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up. Even though they actually own everything their father had, they have to obey their grandparent, their guardian, sorry, until they reach whatever age their father has said. God promised Abraham a blessing, that he'll bless the world through one of his seed, that salvation would come through grace. Way before the Ten Commandments were given, God was saying to Abraham, it's just about believing, it's about grace, it's about trusting in the promised one. Ten Commandments were given to be a nanny, to take care of us when we're young in faith until God's appointed time to fully bless us through Jesus. Galatians 4 verse 3. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic principles of this world. Basic principles meaning don't murder, you know, don't steal, uh, all those kind of basic things. But when the right time has come, God sent his son, born of a woman, a woman Subject to the law, God sent them to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. We're God's kids. We're royal. Now, we're not the same as Jesus. There's only one only begotten son. But we've been brought in. We've been adopted. We've been given a privilege uh, position in God. 
sometimes people look at David Jeremiah or Tukbana or um, Amir Safati, and they look at these guys and go, wow, they're amazing. When they talk, God must answer quickly. They must get to the front of the queue. And somebody like me maybe has to wait a little bit further back in the line. Not true. doesn't matter how great those people are. It doesn't matter how much they know Scripture or, or have been serving the Lord. When you pray, if you've got a relationship with Jesus, the same grace that's on them is on you. The same favor that's on them is on you. You're not pushed back in the queue because you know less of the Bible or you haven't been a Christian as long. The same access to grace and God's power and God's help is available to you as it is to those great men. Jesus came to free you from the consequences of your sin and to make a way for you to be adopted into his family. And because we are his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you're a child, God has made uh, you his heir. God has sent a spirit into our hearts to call us to cry, Abba. You translate that, Daddy or Papa. It's affectionate. It's because you belong. It's because you're part of his family. It causes you to cry out to him and want to communicate with him. You know, friends, one thing I've learned about prayer, and there's always more you can learn about prayer, it's this. Prayer is not about pleading with God. Prayer is not about trying to compel God to do something he doesn't want to do. That's not praying. Praying is when I let the Holy Spirit in me speak to the Father, and he begins to shape what I'm hearing and thinking and feeling to the point where I discern his will. Then I start agreeing with him, agreeing with him. And when I get to that place in prayer, which is all about relationship and communication, the power of that prayer is so much greater. I don't need to force him to do something good. He wants to do something good. He wants to answer my prayers before I ask him. But I pray so I discern his mind, so I hear his voice, so I pray according to his will. And when I pray according to his will, things happen, things shift, things change, and his kingdom begins to come to earth. Servants and slaves have to obey a whole lot of rules to do their best to please their masters. Children, on the other hand, have a relationship with Papa, with Daddy. They don't need to earn his affection. They just need to enjoy him and let him show them how to pray and how to respond. Christian, you're not a servant. You have a position of privilege, a position that has a great inheritance. You have royal authority. Paul goes on to remind them about the simple gospel of grace. And it says that when I first came to you, you received it with faith, you received it with freedom, with joy. You were just loving on Jesus. And he recalls that they were so beautifully responded to the message and they were so full of respect for the apostle Paul that when he came to them, he had some problem with his eyes, some, some medical problem with his eyes. And he says, you know what, verse 15, you were so loving to me. You were so accepting of me that I know if you could have plucked out your eyes and given them to me, you would have. They were free. They're enjoying Jesus. The relationships between Christians and between them and Paul was amazing. And they threw it away for the law. They threw it away to look more spiritual, to look more religious, to pick up rules and regulations. Paul finishes off this chapter by reminding them again of Father Abraham 
a great man of faith, a man who's described as a friend of God. When Abraham heard the news that um, he was going to have a baby in his old age, he laughed and he was full of joy and he believed. He believed God would give him a son and that son, uh, through that son's life and his lineage would come Messiah, the promised one. Initially, God promised Abraham one son when Abe was 70 years old and Sarah was 60. They had their gold cards already, well, Abraham did. Age 15, 15 years later, Sarah says, listen, Abe, I'm well past having kids, so she's, she's 75 now. And she says, Abe, maybe we should give God a hand. You know, I know he promised you a son, and through that lineage will come, become the seed, the great the Messiah, the, the one people will be saved through. But maybe we'll give him a hand, and she suggests that Abe takes her servant, Hagar, and sleeps with her, and through her she has a baby, a baby called Ishmael. Abe's now 99 years of age, and God reminds him again. He says, Abe, I promised you a son through Sarah. It's going to be miraculous. And Abe goes, okay, Lord, but I already have a son. I've helped you out. We've got Ishmael, and we love Ishmael. He's awesome. We don't don't need another one. And God says, that's not the promised son. That's not the miraculous son. I've promised you a son through Sarah. And so he just believes God, just believes God. And it's reckoned to him as righteous. It's, it becomes a, a level of faith that brings salvation. And, and Sarah, who's way too old to conceive or to fall pregnant, becomes pregnant and gives birth to Isaac. Ishmael's a product of man trying to make things happen. Isaac's the product of God's promise. Abraham's descendants from Ishmael and the Jews, uh, who descended from Isaac, will always be at war with each other, and they have been, as they are sadly today. God's plan of salvation has always been through the one descendant of Father Abraham. But because of Abraham's impatience, and I kind of understand it, friends, it's a long time to be waiting when you're getting really old. Because he got tired of waiting and tried to achieve God's promises through works, the result was two sons that would fight and a conflict would continue in the Middle East even today. What's the point of this chapter to that church in Galatia and Turkey? It's simply this. The law was only meant as a nanny for a period of time when faith was at its infancy. It was never meant to be continued once the promised one came. Because of Jesus and what he did for us on the cross, our sins are forgiven. We are truly free. We don't have to obey the rules. We're free just to love the Lord and enjoy him. And so often much, much more comes out of that relationship. We're not servants, we're not slaves who have to work hard to please their masters. We're children of the living God who are loved always and welcomed by our papa, by our daddy. When you walk with the Lord, as Isaac was saying, his mercies are new every morning. You might have made a mistake yesterday or last week or last year. God will pick that up and rework it to something beautiful if you just trust him. We're not going to try hard and just pursue a whole lot of regulations. Sometimes people say to me, Russell, I'm beginning to dry up. My faith isn't as vibrant or as live as it used to be. Often they stop doing what they first did, that God called them to, but often they've picked up rituals and routine in the middle of relationship. They've just got into routine and ritual, and it's no longer trusting in the Lord and letting the Spirit of God guide them and hearing from the Lord. Like Abraham, instead of sticking to God's plan, often people have tried to give God a hand, adding in different things, traditions, 
and rules and regulations. I believe, friends, as Christians, our walk is a guilt-free walk. Does that mean we don't make mistakes? Of course we've made mistakes, but we're forgiven. And his arms are always open wide. And his heart's always to bless and to help us and to work things together for our good. He doesn't want us to stress out and burn out. He wants us just to enjoy him and respond to him out of love. Do we deserve the blessing? Do we deserve the miraculous? Just like that guy, Ron. He said horrific things about God, and God healed him completely in an instant. That's the love of God. That's the grace of God to an unsaved person. How much more to someone who trusts him, who's been adopted into his family? Has your spiritual walk become a bit hard, a bit dry lately? Have a look at what you're doing and just think, is my prayer time, is my devotion time, is my service about just enjoying the Lord and doing what he prompts me to do? Or has it become routine and ritual? I would say, friends, return to your first love. Stand firm in the freedom you were given. There are people all around you every week who are going to try and rob you of the freedom that you have. But you're an adopted child of God. It's your role to just enjoy the Lord, to allow him to bless you, and to trust him in every situation. Even in the awful situations like my friend Robin, Robin's situation, God is at work, working things together for the good of those that love him. He can be trusted. He's a good God, and he's good all the time. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, friends. I'll get someone to shoot across and let the teachers know to bring the kids and the teachers back in. But I want to pray for us. There are always speakers on YouTube, people knocking on our doors, podcasts happening, TV channels uh, that tell us rule and regulation. Let's say if you're really spiritual, you just go to church on Saturday. If you're really spiritual, you do this and you do that. The really spiritual person just accepts the grace and the goodness of God and keeps their freedom and walks in. Let's pray for each other. So walk free and remain free. Let's pray. Father, your word says it's by grace that we're saved, not of our works. And as we think of the people standing to our left and our right before us and behind us, we just speak your blessing on each other this morning, that we get a fresh revelation of how good you are, how loving you are, how kind you are, and how, Lord, even when life is difficult and life is hard to make sense of, you're working something together for our good. Father, we pray for each other, that when the enemy, when false religion comes and tries to tie us down and wear us out, when people try and hang guilt on us, Lord, we pray that we'd stand firm in the freedom we've been given. Lord, we declare as a church, we're saved through faith and the finished work of the cross and nothing else. No add-ons, no pluses, no ritual, no routine, no tradition, just Jesus, just Jesus. And we speak over each other this morning, Lord, that there would be a deepening of our relationship with the Lord Jesus, that there would be a, a sensitivity to his voice throughout the day. That God, the Spirit of Jesus in us, the Holy Spirit, would help us discern what it is he wants us to do, who he wants us to speak to, who he wants us to love on, what he wants us to say, whether at work or at home or in recreation. Lord, we just look at the cross and we stand amazed that you're so good and so generous. We know what we used to be, 
But now we're clothed in your righteousness. We just open our hearts to receive every good gift you have for us and to walk in the freedom you've given us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.